I believe it is tot time or junior church, whatever we call it here. So I see some of our little people getting ready to head out. That's great. Several weeks ago, I was able to stand before you in a similar uh, situation, except that time Pastor Mark was actually gone. And so this is a a vastly different uh, experience when you're um, preaching the word and the pastor's sitting right there. You want to make sure that you're doing a really good job when he's sitting right there. You kind of feel like you're evaluating. So now I know what a teacher feels like when I'm sitting in their classroom being watched by the principal. And so you just kind of get that idea. But several weeks ago, um, I was dressed a little bit questionably, maybe, to be in the pastor role. If you recall, if you were here, I was kind of decked out in as much Nebraska stuff as I could possibly muster. So this morning, I decided to dress a little bit more pastoral-like and and not bring out the Nebraska stuff quite as much. Um, So... Last week, we also had the opportunity to hear a wonderful message from the Gospel of Luke by Pastor Carlos, and he, he really pointed out three things uh, about serving Jesus, and I just, I just was amazed because I had started to work on my sermon several weeks before because Pastor Mark had asked me... Um, and I said, yeah, I'd be willing to, to bring a message, and I actually had one in my head. And I was kind of like, okay, this is going to be great. And then after I agreed to, I messaged him back and said, yeah, I'd do it. A few minutes after that, he says, oh, but you can't preach from Ephesians because I'm going to be doing a series on that coming up. Guess what my message was from? (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Mark. Appreciate that. So then you kind of get into this mindset of, gosh, how, what can I preach about? What's going to be led, led on my heart? And Pastor Carlos uh, last week started to, to share with us about serving Jesus and the three things that we needed to have. And the first thing was that relationship, if you recall. We have to have that relationship with Jesus first. And then we have to listen, and then we have to learn about Jesus and as I was working on mine several weeks before Pastor Carlos gave his last, uh, last Sunday, it was just amazed me that without any planning or any preparation on our part as pastors, the Lord is going to continue to have us looking at service this morning. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a section of Scripture from 1 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy... It says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a prosecutor, a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 
Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Please pray with me. Father God, we gather here this morning as a body, and we are prepared to hear your word speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds are focused on your word. Lord, I pray the words that come out of my mouth are truly your words and not my own. Father, your word has the power to change hearts and lives, and I pray that it is the case this morning. Lord, as we dive into this section of scripture and we just look at your immense patience that you've had with each one of us, Lord, I just pray that we can see how we can be more Christ-like. In your son's name, amen. We find ourselves in 1 Timothy chapter 1 this morning, and if you know anything about uh, the epistles, these letters that get written, Paul writes them to several different leaders uh, within the church, and so many of these leaders then are um, kind of under Paul's tutelage, if you would say, so kind of under his leadership, his guidance as they're growing. And so you kind of see that back in the first couple verses uh, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in faith. You kind of get this idea that Timothy is pretty close to Paul. He actually calls him a son in faith. And so you get this sense that Timothy and Paul have a different relationship kind of right out of the gate. And as we continue to look through the first chapter, you'll see that there's several different sections. The first section kind of starts out with a warning to Timothy by Paul because there's some false teaching kind of going on in the area. There's quite a bit of things that are coming through that Timothy just needs to kind of be on alert for, to watch out for. You see that in the first several verses, uh, 3 through 11. Then Paul moves into a section that kind of focuses a little bit on himself and kind of then reminding Timothy of why even Timothy's in the place that he is. Why are you in this role that you're in, Timothy? Why are you serving the way that you're serving? Well, let me tell you why I'm able to do what I'm doing. And that's kind of the, the section we're going to really focus on here in just a little bit. And then Paul closes out this first chapter to, to Timothy in the letter of really kind of focusing in on some commands and some challenges for Timothy and just reminding him and encouraging him in his own walk and his own teaching. So this morning we're going to focus in on several different points here and we're going to get to this one. Our first one is that we are appointed by God to his service. And so, when we look at being appointed, what does that word appointed mean? Well, it's kind of like being asked to do something, very similar to being asked to be on an elder board, being asked to be a deacon, being asked to be a women's ministry leader. We just had those folks up here and being prayed over. You get appointed to do different things. But have you ever stopped to ask yourself a question, why in the world would the Lord appoint me to do something? 
why in the world would he put me in a certain role in my life? Well, I kind of thought through that question, and I look back to when I first became a husband. I was a senior in college, and I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for that role. There's no way I'm ready for that role to now have to lead my wife spiritually in our walk together as husband and wife. But yet, the Lord put me in that role. A couple of years later, a doctor handed me this little thing that was about this big and said, congratulations, you've got a daughter. I'm now in the role of father. And I don't care what man's in this room. If you say you are ready to be a dad in that moment, you're not. When you see that little thing down there and you're like, oh my gosh, now I got to take care of this too. I can't even keep a hamster alive. Oh, right? Well, you continue to grow and you continue to get different roles in your life. You continue to become a teacher of 20 kids that look at you in the eye every day and they're like, teach us. We're hungry for learning. And then God says, okay, you've handled that pretty well. Now we're going to make you an administrator. We're going to make you a principal. We're going to give you a nice size school to start out with. We'll give you about oh, 100 kids or so. That's a good, good start. Now you're ready for a school that's got 500 kids and about 100 adults that you're going to be in charge of every day. Lord, are you sure I'm ready for that? Then he goes and says, well, we're going to back up the history timeline here just a little bit. As you are a principal, you're also then going to become a pastor of a small church. Lord, I'm definitely not prepared to be a pastor. I never went to seminary. I don't have any clue what Greek and Hebrew is, much less how to speak it or to decipher all of those different words and what they truly mean. Are you sure you want me to be a pastor? You see, God will take us and he will appoint us to different things for his service. And much like a church works and operates, and, and we kind of get this idea of serving God and it's only in the church, right? We only need to serve God here in this entity, in this body. Well, I want to challenge you in that thinking that you can serve God and you should be serving God in any role that you have. Whether that be a parent, a spouse, a boss at a job, just working nine to five, whatever role you're in, God has appointed you for that role to serve him. Well, we continue to think some of the things like, why me? We ask that question, why me, God? Well, I think we need to start having a little different question and say, why not me? Thank you for entrusting me in these roles. He sees something in me. Now, because when I use my wife in my sermon illustrations, it costs me about $50 every time I use her name. I'm not going to use her today. I'm going to point to a man that sits right here. Because when I first came to this community and I started to uh, become the principal over here at Kinsey Elementary, um, he was serving in a certain role. And I remember the day I came to him and I said, hey, what do you think about becoming a kindergarten teacher full time? 
And he kind of went, right? Here's this great big, huge, tall guy, Titus Landigent, saying, oh, I've got to teach kindergartners. His response to me was not no, but it was, if you see that in me and you think that that's the best place for me to be, I am willing to do that. That is a perfect example of recognizing when somebody sees something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself, God often sees that in us and says, we can't, we're saying ourselves, we can't do that. There's no way I'm ready for that. I cannot do that. God's saying, yes, you can. If you're willing, God will do that. Well, we see this kind of in that verse 12. Where Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. It's not in our strength that we do this. Paul recognizes that it's not in his own strength. We've been appointed by God to do something. God will provide us the strength to do it. In a former life, I've talked to you a little bit about some of the things that I've been appointed to do. Well, one of those things was to coach a junior high football team, okay, of all things. And I don't know if you've been around middle schoolers a whole lot. Some of you have them in your home, so you might get a little glimpse of this. But they, they kind of think that they know everything kind of at that age, and they're really good at doing everything. So you take that and you put them all on a football team and you try to get them to play together. It's kind of a unique situation. Well, part of my role as a coach then was to try to take all of these kids and put them on different places on the team, different positions, and to make them understand how to play together. Well, if you can imagine when you tell a young man that, um, sorry, you're not going to be the quarterback of this team, you are going to become a lineman, Ooh, because what has this young man's dream been since he's been down here playing football on the playground? He wanted to be the quarterback. So when you have to tell him, I'm sorry, you're not going to play that position, you can imagine not overly happy. You have to wrestle with when you get put into something that you don't feel that you're equipped to do. But sometimes we also, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes get put into positions where we think we're way better than where we're put and asked to serve as well. Either way, we should be thankful for every opportunity to serve the Lord, knowing that he has handpicked us to serve him in that role. He's appointed us to serve him, and he's given us the strength as Paul recognized, that it is not his own strength, but through the strength given through Christ. Christ gives us the strength to serve God. Much like Paul, we have to realize that we don't have the strength apart from God in ourselves. Much like my athletes, if we don't see our own potential or we tend to think too highly of ourselves, we need to remember that 
The power to serve is not from within us. It comes through being united with Christ. This idea is captured in John 15, 5, where Jesus is using a vine to teach about how we are part of him. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But here's the key. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, if we try to serve and we try to do things, but we're not doing it through Christ, we're trying to do it in our own strength, I can guarantee you that it's not going to be ending well. It will be a struggle. It will be a battle. You will wonder why things don't go well when you're trying to do things that bring glory and honor to yourself instead of glory and honor to the Lord. You're trying to do it for yourself in your own power, your own strength. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Point number two. It's still number one, but it's number two. Sorry about that. No matter where we have been or what we have done, we have been shown mercy. The biggest part of service is sometimes people come to you and you're just like, I am not worthy to do that. There's no way that I should be asked to do that because I am not good enough. I'm not capable enough, or I'm not knowledgeable enough. I remember the first time that the pastor of the church came to me and said, Hey, Troy, I really think you should go to that church over there in that town that's trying to get going, and and you need to go preach there. Preach? You want me to preach? I can't do that. I don't know the Bible well enough. I I started to make excuse after excuse after excuse. He didn't let up. He kept asking. He kept saying. He said, okay, here's the deal. You go over one time. You fill the pulpit one time to see how it goes. So in my thought process, okay, if I do this one time, will he just leave me alone? So I went one time. Three years later, I was still pastoring that church. Every Sunday I would go and I would preach the word. Wednesdays I would go up and lead a Bible study. So if I would have left it to my own self, looked at my own self, I would have continued to deny an opportunity to serve a smaller group of people in a community that was just seeking to live and to learn and to be Christ-minded. And so I thank that pastor for continuing to see that, but I also thank and know that it was the Lord who was just continuing to push me and say, you are ready for that role. So Paul kind of puts all of this thinking into perspective for us here in verse 13. He says this, Even though I was once a blasphemer 
and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. You see, Paul puts right here into perspective the fact that no matter what I've done, no matter how bad I've been, he's been way worse. But yet, what was he shown? He's shown mercy. Paul was once the most widely known persecutor of the early church. And there wasn't anybody that was going to argue with him in the fact that if there was a church meeting and Paul showed up, it most likely was not a good thing. He would have had every right to look at God and almost even laugh in his face when God told him that he's now going to be a servant of Christ, right? You could not get any further from serving God than where Paul was over here. He was doing everything possible to attack the church. Why was he doing that? Well, he points out two things. He acted in ignorance and unbelief. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody were to walk up to me and say, you're ignorant, we probably don't look at that as being a very positive compliment. In fact, not too many of us in this room would like to be called ignorant. But here, Paul describes himself as ignorant. He was only acting in the way that he knew. He was acting on the knowledge and the upbringing and the teaching that he had. That this church that was going on wasn't the right thing. But he wasn't willing to see the truth in Jesus because of the ignorance. Well, the Lord wasn't going to allow that to keep Paul from being used. And he wasn't going to allow Paul to use that as an excuse for serving. There's this statement that I often hear in, in my academic world. It's, now that we know better, we do better, right? When you learn something new, you begin to change your practice. You start to figure out, oh, hey, what I've been doing over here might not be the best. I now know better. I'm going to change things so that I can do better. That's exactly what happened with Paul. He recognized that what he was doing in the ignorance and unbelief that he was acting in was not the path that he needed to be on. He was given the opportunity to be shown something that all of us have the opportunity to be shown. And that comes in verse 14. It says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You see, we get the grace, we get the faith, and we get the love of Jesus Christ poured out on us because then we can come from over here in that ignorance and unbelief and when we have the opportunity to come over here and serve God. We get that opportunity because of those three things. Let 
we continue to see, and you can look at Paul's conversion story in the book of Acts if you want to dig into that a little bit more. It is an amazing conversion story. Some of us in this room this morning have a similar conversion story where we were taken from this level of disbelief and just ignorance, and we had this drastic change. Some of us have grown up in churches, and we have not had that opportunity to see a huge change in our life, but yet we still have come to this realization that it is not us, it is not in our own strength that we are able to serve and that we are able to be a part of the family of God. But it comes from, sorry, Pastor Mark, I'm going to get Ephesians in here just a little bit. Is that all right? It comes from Ephesians 2, 8 through 12, where it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's not about me. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to walk in them. You see, sometimes you get this thinking in your head that you have to do certain things in order to be able to be called a child of God. No, Paul's squashing that. Paul is very clear in the fact that hmm, by receiving this grace, you should want to serve. You should want to do these good works. You should want to be a part of doing the things for God. Paul knows where his salvation came from because it definitely wasn't anything of his doing. Because if it was left up to him, he would still be persecuting the early church. He would be martyring all kinds of people. But yet he gives us verse 15. He says this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. Amen. But then Paul puts this exclamation point on it, right? He says, of whom I am the worst. Guess what? Paul says that, but how often do we tell ourselves that I am the worst? Well, we all are. If we're sinners, we are all the worst. But we can use that as an excuse. We can use that as a crutch not to serve, right? Paul could have said, yes, Lord, but no one will listen to me because of my past. You see, I, I've crucified people. I've, I've murdered people. I've gone out and destroyed churches. Nobody is going to listen to me, Lord. He could have said that. He could have said, thank you, Lord, for saving me, but I am not worthy to serve you because of all those things. Well, if that's the case, then guess what? There wouldn't be a whole lot of serving going on anywhere because none of us would be worthy then. None of us would be able to serve God because of the things we've done, where we've come from. There is a specific reason that each one of us has been shown the grace, faith, and love of Jesus Christ, and that is for us to serve. Still number one, but it's number three. 
I am the worst sinner, but I have been shown mercy so that Jesus can use me as an example to other believers. Paul laid claim to being the worst sinner of them all. So when we ask, how can I serve God after all the things I've done? Remember verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe on him and receive eternal life. Each one of us has been shown grace and mercy, not for our benefit. We absolutely do benefit from that, but it wasn't for us, for our own glory. It was for the benefit of Christ. Each one of us is now displaying the immense patience of Christ Jesus. We all have shortcomings. We all fail every day. We have a statement in the academic world that's called failing forward. We always want to get better each day. That's kind of how Christ works with us. He's continuing to work with us. He's continuing to have that patience with us every single day, every step that we take along the way. He's continuing to put us in a better place, even though we were in the exact same category as Paul of being the worst sinner. Christ says that no matter what you have done, He is going to use us to show how loving and merciful he can be. So it's one thing to look at ourselves and ask this question. How can God use me to serve him after what I have done? We tend to ask ourselves that quite often. But I kind of wondered a little bit about how often do you think when Paul started showing up and he started trying to minister to the early believers, how many of them looked at him and asked this question? How can he serve after what he's done? Oh, hits me right there. How often do I ask that question about other people who are trying to serve God or are serving God in different ways. And I know they've had a shady past. They've had something that's gone on in their life that, oh, there's no way they should be used in that way. There's no way they can serve. Mm. We often fall into that trap of looking at where people have come from and forget the power of Christ's mercy and love that he has for each one of us. We need to remember that it wasn't just for one person. It was for all of us. We have the opportunity to accept that. And we have the opportunity to know that his immense patience is for all. We get to this opportunity where we look at how does this work? 
Why would God choose to put me in this place? We tend to begin to look at, well, look at me. Look at what I can do. We're missing the point. Paul closes this out in our section of verse 17. He says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He doesn't say to Paul all the glory and honor. He says to the King, to the Lord, to the only God, be glory and honor. So as we are able to get past some of these things in our lives, we are able to look and say, Lord, I am ready to be used by you. I'm ready to serve you in whatever role that you get us to be put in. We get to remember our final point. I have been appointed to be an example of God's immense patience. So that is where I will leave us this morning. To be challenged with that. Wherever you are at, wherever God has placed you, serve Him in a way that brings glory and honor and is that example of the mercy, faith, and love of Christ in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to open your word this morning. Lord, I pray that it has had power to move people, to challenge people, to grow people, to be more Christ-like. Lord, as we get ready to move on to the other things that are going on in our world, Lord, that we remember we have been placed in that role to serve you. You have chosen us. You have appointed us to be that example. In your son's name I pray, amen.